I'm excited about this series. I, I believe, well, here's the whole truth. I had another series done. It was called Refresh. It was about the four rivers in the garden. And I'm, I, I was pumped about it. There was so much information, I was done with it. And then God shows up sometimes and he messes up your plans. Has anybody ever experienced that before? And so this series y'all need to be excited about because this was not my idea. This is God's idea. And I'm pumped because I believe it's the most anointed and for a time like this series we've ever had in a word for this moment for you. Now, you belong is clearly us saying that you belong, us telling each other we belong, but it has so much bigger impact. And the goal of today is to set a groundwork so that you can understand over these four weeks, this is a declaration of our year. But here's what I want you guys to know. And I prayed this just now, but I, I just want to kind of start with this. Whenever difficulties are taking place in our lives, and it wasn't just what we were experiencing in you, it was also... So, and, you know, difficulties sometimes are self-inflicted wounds. So if I'm willing to own the truth, some of the things, I'm reaping what I sow, you know what I mean? And, and when I'm a jerk, sometimes you get what you get, you know what I mean? And, and even though God is not that way, human beings, the fruit's going to eventually come out. And so some of the things that I'm dealing with is my crazy mind sometimes. And some of the things I'm dealing with is, is bigger than, than just that. But then there's stuff like this. What about the stuff that I can't control? And am I going to let that be who I am? You know, the song we just sang, it's, it's who I am. I feel like if I was going to sing this week, what I really would have sung is, this is who I am, God. And my circumstances so dictated how I live my life on so many occasions this week that I couldn't be the fragrant aroma of Jesus Christ. I just had to be Let's just get through today. Literally last night, I'm not joking with y'all, I'm not proud of this, but last night I told Leah, I'm going to need about 30 minutes of just mark time because I'm about to lose my mind up in here, up in here because I needed a break because my mind was about to go crazy and here's the truth and I'm going to get to something big as foundational and then we're going to start. But listen, listen, I know this and sometimes it doesn't matter what you know, it matters what you know. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody talk to me if you know what I mean by that. It matters in here. Does anybody know what I mean? Yeah. So I know, I know the answer. But my mind did not have agreement with the Holy Spirit inside of me. And I'm wrestling, not flesh and blood. But stuff that we can't see because it's above our heads and it's darkness and it's the prince of the power of the air and the king of this world, Satan. And all his dudes and dudettes, I don't think he had, I don't know, whatever it looks like, right? And I just, I just get really frustrated sometimes. This is just honesty from your pastor. Because I want it to be easy. And God just dropped a bomb in my life and said, Mark, this is kind of how God and I talk. I don't know if y'all talk to God like this, but can I trust you with the blessing that you hope to receive? Because for every blessing that God brings in your life, the enemy attacks you on that equal and same level. And so while I'm praying for a great inheritance this year for me and for all of you, I have to be willing to face the music. And the music is, my circumstances will not be fun on a lot of occasions. 
And the church that tells you it's going to be a bed of roses, they just give you the inheritance part, but they don't give you the attack part. Please run as fast as you can because it's a lie. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I take on any devil that wants to come at me because he is under the feet of Jesus. It is not until I think that I can control whatever he's got that I come into battle and come into battle with my mind and in my spirit that I lose. But he's already won. And listen, it's a battle that I can't lose. So, so let's just play, for instance, if, if, if Clemson knew that they had already won on Monday night, what do you think would be happening in Phoenix and Vegas right about now with some of our brothers and sisters that are there? Come on, somebody. Y'all can talk. We don't have to be churchy in here. They're partying. Is anybody else here? That's why we party. That's why when we're celebrating right here, we're praising through because we have already won. One person agrees. Thank you, Jesus. And here's the verse or the two verses that God kind of dropped on me this week. And I went, oh, okay. Galatians, this is not where I'm preaching from. So just look at it on the screen. Galatians chapter four. And this is going to set some groundwork for us. I mean that the heir, the one that will receive inheritance. Let me tell you who that is. Every person that is a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a joint heir with Jesus, meaning you have the same kingdom rights. Jesus preached on the kingdom his entire time he was on the earth. And he took authority over everything else, but he taught the kingdom. Every principle he taught was about the kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And he says, listen, all of you are heirs who are followers of Jesus. You have a great inheritance, so much greater than your mind can possibly imagine. As long as he is a child, he is no different from a slave. Can I tell you what that means? It means that if I won the Powerball last night, y'all would have known about it, okay? Can I just tell y'all? It's up to $1.3 billion would it be, and your cash payout after you take out the lump sum and you get taxes would be $550 million or so. I guess I could live on that, okay? <laughs> and Haston and Laney would be set up with an inheritance. Are y'all with me? And if I gave Laney... Her inheritance, and let's just say we split four ways, Mark, Leah, Laney, Haston, and I gave her $100 million. I paid my tithe, I gave to extra people, and I gave Laney $100 million. My seven-year-old is very mature for seven, but she would buy a bazillion American Girl dolls because that's what she wants. Is anybody else with me? No, <laughs> she doesn't get her inheritance until she is at an age where she understands, and she sits under the authority of her father. Until the age that I can trust her with that. Now, right now, she's got nothing to worry about because her inheritance that she's going to receive, awkward, is not a whole lot. So I could give it to her today and she could get one American Girl doll. Okay, all right? But for those people out there whose last name we recognize, like in this community, Roger Milliken, his kids, I'm sure, did not go away poor. But if he would have given it to them at five, at 10 years old, it would not have been very smart without someone overseeing him or her. And that's what, G, uh, that's what Paul says here, but, uh, but he is under guardians and managers until the time is right by my good, good father, not by a father of a, of a house, not by a pastor, but, but by God. And this is the tension that I felt this week. I pray all the time, God, I want to see you, you shift something in my life. God, I, I, I want to see this and I want to see that. And what I don't pray is, is this what I am? 
And what is it in my life that I'm so clinging to that is a seed that is rooted so deeply that the Holy Spirit's seed, the fruit of the Spirit, is not manifesting itself or showing itself? So it's not what I've done, but it's the soil that the seed is falling in that it's all about. So, so, so what is it? Because listen, if you get a blessing as a child, if, if someone gave Laney tons of money today, would it be a blessing or a curse? Say it out loud. Would it be a blessing or a curse? A curse. And so if you receive an inheritance that seems like, oh, look how God has blessed me, but you are not mature in your faith. This doesn't matter if you're 16 or you're 65. It doesn't matter. God is not a respecter of person or age. Don't ever miss that. It is my, it is my spiritual maturity. Then when I receive, it is a curse. And that's why, listen to this, that's why when the pastor steps up and says things like, when you give your first to God, the rest is redeemed. Everybody starts squirming. No one wants to talk. Like if I want to do a message on people talking back, it's a message of hope. But if I start preaching on tithing, that is something that a child does not understand, but an adult does, people start, I'm not talking about this. And it's because we don't want to be guardian or managered in those places, just the places that you can have access to in our lives. And that's what I really think my biggest struggle is, is I'm cool with changing certain things, but I don't wanna give God total access to every nook and cranny. Does anybody else feel that way in here or is it just me? And so when we talk about changing the world, God's never gonna change the whole world through me until he changes my world in me. That's good for somebody in here. You can talk to me in here. That's good. God's not going to change the whole world until he changes this world. And so we believe with all of our hearts that no eye has seen or ear has heard or the heart of a man has imagined what God has prepared, meaning your inheritance is already there for those who love him. But I can't claim what's rightfully mine. And stay what I am because he would be cursing us. And he is the same yesterday and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. And he's good. He's a good, good father. And so we have to define what does changing the world really look like? What, is it, what does it look like for us? What is, what is it really all about? And the reason that we did this it's not so it's a cool map, and I think it is cool. Austin did a good job with it. And it's not because we wanted to throw our logo up and we do like it. But we wanted to show you a picture of where God has called us today. Each one of these dots represents one of you, one of your homes, one of the people that actively attend Four Points Church. And around each one of us are people that we do life with every day that, listen to me, feel like they don't belong, feel like they have no good father, feel like there is no purpose and no hope for their lives. And if they're waiting on a pastor with a microphone, they're going to keep waiting for a long time because God did not call me to each one of your neighborhoods. Specifically, this is the bomb that, dropped, that God dropped on me this year. As I was praying through God, what would you have me pray over and what are my big goals? And it was this simple. I want you to reach your neighborhood with the gospel. It's like, hang on a second. God, I got a better idea. Why, why don't we like preach better? You know what I mean? Like that, that's not a good plan because I see these people at the pool and when they're wearing what they shouldn't wear, I just want to tell them that they should be wearing more. Come on, somebody and talk to me. You should not be wearing that if you know what I'm talking about. Come on. But, but 
and then when I'm walking the kids, <laughs> you heard me right, because we walk the kids like you walk the dogs. And when, when I'm walking around the neighborhood and I'm doing my thing, I don't want to spend time with them. I want to spend time with me. And I want to worry about me. And I want to play Tiger Woods on my video games. And I want to do my stuff. And I don't want to have to focus on everybody else. And I can't be a part of the greatest move of God ever until I'm a part of him moving in here. Until I'll change my world, my Jerusalem. He's not going to give me access to everything that he's already given me. I just can't receive it. I'm a slave. And here's one reason on this statistics that I think is why. Did you know that only 10% of people even know their neighbors? Now, this is for real. This is, this is a scientific survey. It's not something that I came up with because the numbers work. 10% of people, if you, if you can point beside your house, can name the people that we live beside. This is not the church. This is in general, 10% of people. For the church, 3% of people know them personally. And 1%, 1% of people know if they're neighbors on every side of them are saved or lost. Know Jesus or don't. And so I declare, listen to me, I declare every week all these great things that we should try to do. And on one side of me and right here, and I think for sure right there, I've had conversations about the gospel. But then right here and right here and right here, my two on the left, if I'm in my house, and then one across the street, I have no clue. I know their names. Your pastor has no clue. And when I, when I found this material, I was embarrassed. Because I was like, I'm going to ask y'all to do something that I'm not willing to do. And I just really believe God said, so put your money where your mouth is, bro. <laughs> Let's evangelize that neighborhood of yours and stop worrying about the whole world. Because I've got the whole world in the palm of my hand. But I've called you to the world that I've put you in. It's not near as fun. Are y'all with me? They, they've seen you fight with your wife or your husband, and they've seen you go through the stuff that you've gone through, but the truth is that breaks down barriers, and they know the truth. And if you know the truth of the gospel, the truth will set you free, and they can find out what the truth is in you and in me and what the difference is. And so as we get started, I'm gonna, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10 if you have your Bibles, but know this, you can't change the world that I believe God has called us to, and I believe it's our inheritance. I don't know what it looks like yet. But I know what the starting point is. You can't change the whole world until you change your world. Can't change the whole world until you change your world. And here's how I think it happens. Jesus was with a group of religious leaders. And I probably, if I was in this group, would have been one of the jerks that was asking Jesus because I would have thought he's a know-it-all and he's this dude that thinks he does too much and He's the dude that walks on water in awkward moments and I don't know why he's doing that and I don't want him at my kid's birthday party because I paid the magician and why is he going to do the magic tricks? Come on, somebody. That was good for a couple people. but <laughs> And so in this context, he's sitting around with these guys and they ask him this question. A lawyer stood up who is already apologetic, meaning argumentative, and he stood up and put him to the test. He's ready. He's like, I'm going to show this cat. I'm a lawyer, right? <laughs> We tell Jesus that sometimes. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I can, yes, I nobody. All right, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You tell me. You're the man, like, so, so tell us. And he said to him, well, why don't you tell me? Jesus was strategic, y'all. Anytime you threw a bomb at him, he said, see, you came to a gunfight with a knife. This is your bad, and I'm going to show you. And he asked the question right back at him. You answer it. What does the law say? How is it written? And here's what he said. 
All right, I got the answer. I'm the lawyer. Brush, brush. You shall love the Lord your God. Somebody say love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Aced it, but bam, right? Got it. And Jesus said to him in verse 28, and this is where it gets awkward. You got it, bro. Good job. Now, now do this and you'll live. I just want to ask you this question. Do y'all ever sit in the seat of the lawyer where you pride yourself on what you know? My goodness, if this is the only person in the room, it's me. I'm going to raise my hand as high as I can. Bam, aced it, right? Is anybody? And then he said, all right, go do it. Awkward. Right? And that's what he felt right then. And he didn't know what to do, so he started squirming, and he walked into a hornet's nest. And Jesus didn't have his, his worst. He had his best, and he had his best for us. But we asked the question like this, just like he did, desiring to justify himself. Guilty. Wait, but, but that dude, you don't know what he said. Right? He was an idiot. And I can, you know, I was right. So, bam. All right, so who's my neighbor? <laughs> so let's answer this question. If you're taking notes, write this down. Who? Who is my neighbor? Not who is Mark's neighbor. Not who is the person sitting beside me's neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Here in the Greek, and I know y'all don't care, but I do. So in the Greek, plesion, plesion. It's fellow human being, but it literally translates someone you see in the course of a day. It's not just the, the person that lives in the house or the apartment or whatever you live right beside you. It's, it's every person that you do life with that you see on a daily basis. And so I almost always stop at this QT, almost every day. And I know the manager and I've made a relationship with them. Those are my neighbors because I see them on a daily basis. And when they see me come in after a fight with my wife, because I know none of y'all fight with your wives. Come on, somebody. But when that alarm clock goes off earlier than I'm wanting it to go off, I think alarm clocks are the devil. I'm just going to tell y'all, I think Satan invented those. Anybody else in here that's not a morning person needs to talk to me right now, somebody. And I, when I wake up early and I've got something to do, and then if I'm late, have mercy. I don't like being late. But I let the world around me know that I'm not happy with my circumstances. Oh, oh. And here's what Jesus said. This is the awkward part. Jesus talking to his disciples in John chapter 13. Don't turn there. But just listen. He said, a new commandment I give you, love one another by this. Verse 35, will everyone know that you're mine if you love each other? That word love, both in the context Jesus was teaching in Luke 10 and in here, and in 1 Corinthians 13 that I'm going to show you in a second is the word agape. And that word is an unconditional, sacrificial love. Because here's the truth. I love McDonald's french fries. And if y'all don't like them, that's okay, but y'all are crazy. I love McDonald's french fries. I'm pretty sure they lace them in crack, okay? But I don't unconditionally, sacrificially love McDonald's fries. Now, I hit a few of them last night. Praise Jesus, because the fast is starting today. And I'm going to hit me some Mickey D's last night. But I don't want to sacrifice and as Jesus said, laid down his life is how he loved the church and gave himself up for her, the bride of Christ. I don't love McDonald's french fries like that. So don't use the word love and say, well, I love them just like I love the McDonald's french fries, right? No, we don't sacrificially care what they're going through. I care what I'm going through right now. You should lean on me. I've said this week, 
Some of y'all are never coming back because you're like, this pastor is nuts. I've said this week out loud. What about me? Can I tell you what I should have done right then? I should have gone to my three-year-old, gotten the blankie, and done like that because I was being a baby. And here's the tension, y'all. Listen, this is it. Being a kingdom man, knowing that I have an inheritance in Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 13, when you line it up with what Jesus said here. If I speak in the tongues of men, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I prophesy and I use tongues that make people marvel, that blow people's minds, but I don't have love, that I don't have love, I've wasted time is what it literally translates. Why? Because love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't keep a record of right and wrong. It doesn't hold past sins against. Love hopes all things, endures all things, believes all things. Pastor, there's no possible way that I could ever forgive my wife. Thank God we don't live under the same guidelines that we give other people that Jesus Christ would give us? What if he judged us based on the same way that we loved our spouses? What if he loved us based on the same way that we loved each other? And don't miss this. I'm not saying that you should get trampled over if you're a husband or wife. There's some reasons you should get up and leave. If your husband is hitting you, don't hear this and stay. Come on, somebody, right? But when I fight with Leah and I bring up what happened two years ago, am I trying to get better? Or am I trying to be right? And is that the kingdom principle and foundation or am, I not, or am I acting like a child? And then, interestingly, Paul says, when I was a child, verse 12, in chapter 13, I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, can I tell y'all, I thought that that meant when I became an adult. And it has nothing to do with that. When love became the foundational root through the Holy Spirit of God in my life, I gave up those childish ways. Does that mean Paul was perfect? No, sir. No, ma'am. He was just as much of a man as you are a man or a woman. He screwed up all the time. But what was in the foundation of his soul was love. Galatians 5 says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What was the first one? Y'all talk to me. Love. He says, all of these things have, and he gives these faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And yet, I find myself able to talk about it, but not able to live it. Friday morning, I spoke at uh, DR Hill for their Fellowship of Christian Students, and it was a great morning. <laughs> and I was talking about love. What's love got to do? Come on, got to do. And, and that morning I had to wake up really early because I had to do something else. And I woke up, y'all know this term, on the wrong side of the bed. And the person that takes the brunt of that is Leah. And then Laney and Haston because they're up and they're getting going. And I smarted off and I said something. And if y'all heard the fight, you probably wouldn't have gone, oh my gosh, he's the worst person ever. Some of y'all might have been like, holy cow, but because y'all have never fought. But... I got in the car, I was on the way, and I was steaming, and I stopped at the gas station. I was getting my caffeine fix, and I got about halfway there, and I was trying to pray, and I was just cloudy in my mind. Bam. I was thinking through my message, and I thought, wow. 
you are a little bit hypocritical, bros. <laughs> this is awkward right now. And so I did what every man loves to do. And if y'all don't talk to me right now, I'm going to throw my KD at you. It's a size 14, and it's coming right at y'all's heads. Hey, baby. My bad. Right? Are y'all with me? And she just laughs because she's used to it. Because my kids and my wife here, I screwed up pretty much 365 days a year until leap year, then it's 66. Come on. And I just said, look, I'm going to teach on something, and I'm the biggest hypocrite ever because I'm going to speak with the tongues of men and angels, is what that verse says, but have not love. To the people who I'm closest to, to the people that I do life with every day, to the people that God called me to pastor way before he called me to pastor you because my home is much more important for me to pastor correctly than this church. And I have not love. And I felt really bad. And I told those students, they may never have me back at DR Hill. But I told them the truth. I said, look, I can go out and I can knock on every door that I want to knock on today. And I can do really good things for God. But if I have not love, if I lack love in the root system of my soul, I'm wasting time. And I had her put it on speakerphone, baby girl. You should never hear daddy sass your mama because that is my bride and I love her and I want you to know I'm sorry and if you ever let a dude talk to you like that, I'm going to kick their teeth in. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I just thought to myself, Mark, you can't change those students farther than you're willing to change yourself. And you can't change yourself. You have to let the Holy Spirit have total access to you. What are you holding on to? What, what level of pride or level of thing are you holding that you believe that you're so good that you don't have to worry anymore about that? And I'll be honest with y'all, it was a really hard week. And I faced temptations and like these bombs it felt like. And then I just hurt for people. I don't even know how to explain it other than I was aching last night in bed with Leah. And we were just sitting there crying in bed for some of y'all. Start crying now. But what I do in those moments don't matter if it's not out of love. And the reason that love is patient, kind, and does not envy or boast, is not proud, is because love does not hope that something returns. Love is simply, Jesus loved me first and I love him back, and as a result, I show you. Love is simply, Jesus served me first, and as a result, I serve you. And I don't care if I ever get anything in return. And until I learn to love open-handed, I am a miserable person who is constantly angry in all that I do. And the truth of the matter is, that's your pastor a lot of days because I'm rooted in me. <laughs> and then Jesus, he's just a trip. Can I show you one other thing that Paul said? Let me just repeat this. <clears throat> I don't know why this is, and I don't want you, man, if y'all think that I'm brash and cocky about how I'm living my life after this message, then... <laughs> I don't know, right? But I know that God has told me some specific things and I don't know why he's revealing to me and I'm honored, I'm thankful, and I'm frustrated. Can I be real with y'all today? My frustration is not the inheritance that I believe God has promised my life and as a result, your lives. My frustration is in the fact that I'm so immature that I can't claim my inheritance because I'm a joint heir with Jesus. And he has revealed to me through great men and women who have spoken into my life 
years ago in Beijing, China, and then over and over with the same thought in the same way. And I know that God has called this place to be a church that reaches the world. That doesn't mean every person in the world, but has a global network that impacts the globe. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm not even trying to figure it out yet, but I know this. I know I'm a child. And I know that until something shifts in my life, I'm a child. And as a result, I'm a slave looking up at my inheritance, but not able to receive it. And there's nothing that I can do with my feet or with my arms is simply surrendering all to Jesus that shifts everything. And the shift that takes place starts in here. It's not this loud, boisterous thing. And it's praising through my current circumstances and understanding that my mind is being attacked, but he can't have my spirit because the Holy Spirit of God lives in there. And every sin and every thought can be taken captive through the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus being who Jesus was, after the dude answers the question the way he does, it's just brilliant, man. And he says this, and he replied, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Let me tell you the cool thing about this. That is the valley of the shadow of death. That is literally the road that you walk. That's the valley of the shadow of death that no one walked. And he gave a picture of why he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Some of you came in here this morning walking down the valley of the shadow of death from, Jer from Jerusalem to Jericho and you felt like the whole world was against you and you were stripped and beaten and left for dead in your spirit. Maybe not in your person, but in your spirit. And you felt just like this, this dude who was walking, who was minding his own business. And why is this hell coming against me this week? And if none of you do, I did. But I looked for help in all the wrong places. Because the first person that the man came across in verse 31 says, now by chance a priest, and that's the same as a pastor, sees these people on the side of the road and our attitude so often in this circumstance is I've got somewhere to get to. I've got a deadline I have to meet. And we step over the dying corpse laying in front of us. And maybe none of you saw someone that was physically wounded to that point, but every, listen, every one of us stepped over a dying corpse spiritually this week. Every one of us. And this pastor absolutely did it. And he passed him. And then a Levite who are religious leaders, who are church people, who are people that know Jesus and claim his truth. The same thing happened and he stepped over. Ignoring the fact that someone was desperate and dying, beaten and naked and alone. But the most unlikely person came to rescue him, a Samaritan person. A Samaritan was someone that no Jew would possibly talk to because they were the worst of the worst. It's when an outsider would marry or procreate with a Jew. Then you got the Samaritan people, the mixed breeds, the yucks. Sometimes God sends people like that that you would never expect to come to your rescue. The person that's kind of annoying, that talks too much, that we would never want to be in our lives. And we miss a word from God because we're too good for their word. Or we're too far along as a child in our heart to want to be fathered by a good, good father. The picture of this Samaritan, interestingly enough, the picture of the Samaritan is Jesus who his own people rejected. They are still 
at the wall today. They call it the Wailing Wall. It's actually the Western Wall of the Temple praying, begging God, send your Messiah. They missed him. He came, but they thought he was a Samaritan. They thought he was an outcast. They waved Hosanna at him and then they outcast him and killed him. But that was me. I'm the same as them. And I do it every day because I don't want his help. I want him to fix it. But I don't want him to have all of me. And I don't want him to take this dead yuck that is a slave and make it alive and his. And I want my inheritance, but I don't want all that comes with it because I still want to be in control. And just like we criticize the Jews who are praying at the wailing wall, crying out to God, send your Messiah. He's there and you let him step right over you because you didn't want his help. But verse 33 says that the Samaritan journeyed no matter where you are and no matter how far you've gone, Jesus will come to your rescue no matter where. You're never too far from God as long as you have breath in your lungs. And he came to where he was. I saw him and he had compassion on him. I hope that this word will be the defining word of 2016 in this house. Here's what compassion is. Compassion is two words, compass and passion. Y'all know the four point symbol is a compass. Four points on the compass reach the least lost and lonely here and everywhere with the gospel of Jesus. And it's to, be, it's to be cognizant of everyone we live around. And each one of these dots are me. And every person where I live, work, and play, I'm going to have passion for these people. Compassion through the love rooted in the love of Jesus. That's a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. It says the Samaritan had compassion. Do you know the, the person that we can look at that truly had compassion for all mankind is Jesus, who was sitting on the right hand of the Father, who is glorified above all other names, who every knee will bow and tongue will confess. And yet he came as a peasant, as a nobody, as a carpenter's boy, earthly speaking, born of a virgin, sinless life, 30 years. And then his 30th to 33 years, he, he performed miracles and served others and loved people to die and take on every hurt and sin and shame that we have. Why? Compassion. He knew all of your sin that you'll ever commit. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And he says, take my yoke. It's light and easy. And yet we still take the yoke of a slave every day because we step over and keep walking. And he says, by this, men will know your mind if you love one another. Here's what the next verse says. He went and bound his wounds. Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes were healed. He was wounded for our transgression. That means that's a big word for deep, deep sin and iniquities. And by his stripes were healed. Psalm 23 says, he anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows, and that oil had two parts. It was both healing and then repelling of the enemies in your life. And I try to fight those enemies in my life all the time with me, and I just need the oil of the Holy Spirit to flow over the top and all the way down of my life. But if I don't want the help 
of that Samaritan, then I'm going to miss it. And then he set him up on his animal and brought him and took care of him. And look at what this says in verse 35. The next day he, he paid a debt that there's no way that this man could be paid because he was robbed. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. That life might not be the life that you chose. It may not be wealth on this earth. It may not be easy. But he pays the debt through his blood that he's already shed that we could not pay so that we could live a life that we could not live otherwise. And gave it to the innkeeper and then listen to this. I love this. He says, take care of him and whatever you need, I got it covered. That's Jesus. And here's what his declaration for us is. This is you. And so in the verse 36 and 7, this is what he says. He finishes his story. He says, now, now, lawyer, which one of these three cats do you think was good to his neighbor? And he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, will y'all say it out loud as loud as you can right here. Can that be our declaration as a church today? Can that be what we are in this house? Can it not be how good we look or our job or our money? But can we all begin to claim our inheritance in Jesus' name by going and doing likewise? It's not about what you do, it's about why you do it. And if it's not rooted in love, it's a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. But I believe God has called us to change the world through you belong. Through, through helping people understand the fatherless and the homeless and the hurting, that there's a place that they can belong. It's the place of freedom. It's the place at the seat and at the feet of King Jesus. When he looks at you, this is what he sees, sons and daughters of the King. When he looks at you and you tell him how awful you are, he says, what sin? Because he does not hold your sins against you and love covers a multitude of sin. We can't even count of what that really means. And everything you've beat yourself up over this week, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you confess your sin, he is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you with that oil that he shed his blood for. And so here's what I want to know, guys. Two parts. Who are you today? Who are you today? Are you the guy laying on the street that needs a Samaritan to come to him because you are dead in your sin and you've never made Jesus alive in you? Because if that's the case, don't be like the Jewish people who are trying their best to find hope. There's hope right here, right now. Today is the day of salvation. And I believe for some of you that is gonna happen right this minute. And then for the church, for the bride of Christ, for the ones of us that say that we're saved? Are you the priest or the Levite? Are you the Samaritan who with love are ready to go and do likewise? Will you bow your heads with me? God, in this moment, I pray that you will move. I believe that you have revealed that there's some people in here that need life in Jesus' name and to be alive in you. And so right now, I just pray that you'll move and pull and knock on the door. And if anyone hears your voice, 
you will enter and save with your heads bowed and eyes closed. If for the first time you want to say, hey, Pastor, I'm that person and I believe Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. He took on death and hell to free me so that I can have life in his name, not just in heaven when I die, but today that I can have peace that passes all understanding. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your job is and I don't care how long you've heard me preach. Somebody in this room, this is for you. If that's you and you want to be saved, I just want you to throw your hand up, say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. As high as you can. Come on, somebody. When you feel your heart beating fast and you know that's you and you feel that pulling in your spirit, don't let anything hold you back. I don't know who it is, but I believe in my heart it's somebody. As high as you can, let me see your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to throw your hand up as high as you can. Say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I want to tell everybody something. That is awesome news because that means that every person in this room knows Jesus. So here's the deal. I want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed because I want this to be personal. Lord knows <laughs> if, if I was receiving instead of preaching this message, I would be the first. We're going to start a 21-day fast today and we're going to explain that in just a minute. And there's some walls that need to come down like Jericho's in your life. But the walls don't fall with hammers and with bulldozers. They fall with a praise through and with believing God for. And it's rooted and grounded in the love that he has for us. And as a result, we love him back. And we show the world the fragrant aroma of Jesus Christ. And if you will declare over your home and over your neighbors, everybody that you live and work with, that this year, that as for you and your house, you're going to serve the Lord through love. I just want you to stand to your feet and say, that's me. That's me. And if that's not you, then so be it. But if that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet and say, that's me, Lord Jesus. I want this to be a private moment for whoever wants to stand. But I want you to know that we're throwing the flag in the ground today. God, I do believe that a long time ago, you told us that you want to do a great work in this church but you have to change my world in my heart and shift things around where I'm not selfish. Lord, you have to become greater and greater and greater and I have to become less and less and less. Lord Jesus, I throw my hands up to you and I say, Abba, Father, you are a good, good God. We don't deserve your love. We don't understand why you continuously, sacrificially, and unconditionally love us. But Lord Jesus, our declaration is that we are free people and we are going to go let everyone know in our community and in our world that we live in that they belong. Maybe not to Four Points Church, but to Jesus. They have a home and that you are our place of freedom. And we believe these things and declare these things in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...